In today's episode, we're going to pick apart the story of creation in Genesis 1 and really dissect some of those sticky points you may have. And then we're going to look at how God sets the standard for what is good back then in creation and today. Hi, listeners. Welcome back. So glad you're here and you've joined us. I'm really excited today. We're going to dive into the story of creation. I'm not going to get through the whole thing today, but I'm going to get through a large chunk, and I'm actually going to even apply what we're learning today to our lives, if you can imagine that. Yes, there is something for you to ponder and treasure in your heart from the creation story that's going to be a blessing. And if you have a Bible, it probably would be helpful to have it with you because what I'm going to be doing is reading a few verses, then commenting, then reading and commenting. There are a lot of things in Genesis that need a little bit of explanation. If you've ever read that first account, there's some things that make people scratch our heads. So we'll be looking at those today. But if you're, of course, driving or exercising or doing something, it'll totally work too. But if you had a Bible with you and you were just sitting, grab it. All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for Even the first chapter of Genesis, there are things in it that we can learn and apply to our lives. Come, Holy Spirit, help us to get all that we can out of your word today. Help us to live it out. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here we go. Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Okay, pausing here. Now, many Jewish scholars believe that there's a perspective change between verse 1, which is more of a view from the whole universe, and verse 2, which is now the viewpoint of, I'm standing on earth beholding events. And that's important for later, especially for the light. And then many believe also in something called the gap theory, which between verse 1 and verse 2, there's a gap of time, which would account for dinosaurs and the modern-day predictions of how old the earth is, that there's this huge gap. Now, some people say, no, there was no gap at all. Those are the new earth people. The old earth people would say, no, there's a gap there. It doesn't really matter because we know who made it. That's really what matters. But it would explain the whole, where where do dinosaurs fit in in the Bible? Right there, between verse 1 and 2. So if that has ever been a hang-up for you, you can let it go. Verse 3, Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. Now, most scholars believe this is the sun, but because, and, and that's because of Genesis 2.6, a mist used to rise from the earth and water the whole surface of the ground, it says. But because of that, you couldn't see the sun. It's kind of like a really foggy, cloudy day. There's still light, but you can't see the orb in the sky. Now, others would say, well, it's no problem for God to create light. He's creating the entire universe. How hard is it to create light waves? So it could be that too. Maybe he just made light waves, and then later he made the sun. Either way, there's light. All right, verse 5. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, one day. Then God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters which were below the expanse from the waters which were above the expanse, and it was so. Okay, now this is interesting. The word expanse here in Hebrew, rakia, means a spreading out. 
And some some versions of the of different Bibles will say firmament, but I don't think that's a great translation because it kind of sounds firmament sounds like this hard thick plate or something, but that's not what it's saying. The Hebrew word is just saying it's a stretching forth. It's also translated heaven or heavens, meaning the universe or the skies above. So it's not to be confused with the heaven where God's throne is, but we're just talking about the skies above, so this expanse. And I'm going to point something out to you, just reading verse 7 again. And God made the expanse and separated the waters which were below the expanse from the waters which were above the expanse, and it was so. So notice that separate the waters below and above the expanse. That's not the clouds. We're talking about water placed high above the rotating globe. Now, there's a book called The Genesis Record. Dr. Henry Morris wrote, he's an interesting guy. He, he is a creationist person who has some interesting theories about kind of the scientific viewpoint of Genesis. And so I'm going to read you a couple of the things that he's said about this protective canopy theory really is what it is, that there are these upper waters that would provide this protective canopy. So if if this is true, because verse 7 really sounds like it is, that there's this water above the expanse, above this stretching out, above the skies. So if that's true, if there was back before Noah's time, this protective canopy, this is what it would do. It would make the world have a uniformly pleasant, warm temperature everywhere, all over the world. No ice caps, no deserts. It would have uniform temperature, so there would be no huge weather. It would all just be this tepid, humid, comfortable temperature and no rain. And you can look at verses 5 and 6 of chapter 2 again, that the Lord had sent no rain, but there wouldn't need to be rain. And then there would have been dew, ground fog each day, but, but what would this produce? It would be lush vegetation. Did you know that archaeologists and scientists have actually found evidence of trees and animals in the Sahara Desert? So that would follow with this. So it's just an interesting theory. But another thing it would do if, if this water canopy were had been up there, it would filter out the ultraviolet radiation, cosmic rays, and that would contribute to animal and human health and longevity. And the waters, of course, would be needed for when God sent that great flood. So it's it's interesting to think about that it could have been there before before the flood. It, it may, maybe it was, maybe it was. And it would explain why people lived so long. Of course, there wasn't a lot of disease, but that is one thing that would contribute to long human life. You ever wonder about that? You ever think, why have people lived for seven or 800 years in the first part of Genesis? How is that possible? Well, this, this could be one of the explanations for how it was possible. All right, going on. Verse 9. Then God said, let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. So it's good again. Then God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit after their kind with seed in them on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed after their kind, and trees bearing fruit with seed in them after their kind. And God saw that it was good and there was evening, and there was morning, a third day. Okay, a couple of comments here. Notice that the plants came before the animals, which kind of makes sense because wouldn't animals and people need food? In the accepted evolutionary system, it has marine animals evolving hundreds of millions of years before fruit trees and other higher plants 
which doesn't really make sense. This this would make more sense. And also, the plants and trees were made full-grown. Same thing with Adam and Eve. They were fully grown. They didn't start off as babies and then slowly mature. They were adults to begin with. The same thing with the stars. All the light from the stars was already at earth. Going on. This is verse 14. Then God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He made the stars also. And then verse 17, And God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth and to govern the day and the night and to separate the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was good. So it's good again. I said before, it could have been that there was a light generation of some kind at the beginning instead of the sun and moon, or it could have just been that the vapors now are kind of calming down and you could actually see them. Now verse 19, And there was evening, and there was morning, a fourth day. Then God said, Let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. And God created the great sea monsters, and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarmed after their kind, and every winged bird after its kind, and God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning." A fifth day. Okay, so we've gone through five days of creation. Let me just review. So day one was light. Then day two was the hydrosphere, that ancient pre-flood water cycle. And day two was also the atmosphere. And then day three was the lithosphere. That's the earth's crust and soil and the plants, the biosphere. And then day four was the sun and moon and the stars Notice there's just this little sentence I read, he made the stars also from verse 16. And that's like all the stars in the entire universe. Quite, quite remarkable. And then day five, the sea animals and birds. Look at the care and conditions the Lord has prepared for us. Just so beautiful. And now I want to take a moment because you might be saying, what could this possibly have to do with me today? I want to point out to you that everything God made was good. Did you notice that? It was just over and over again, kind of a repeated theme of the goodness of the earth. Well, what is good? People have a hard time defining that sometimes. In the Bible, there are five different definitions of good. And in this case, all through Genesis 1, the word good here means pleasantness, beauty, desirable. So two things we're going to apply from this goodness that God saw that was good. The first thing is that God defines goodness. There are so many opinions about what people say is good. What may be good for you, maybe not good for me. You think that's good, fine, but I don't think that's good. No, there is a good that is good for everyone. And and that's important. Everyone has an opinion about it, but what God says is good is really good. It's something I hear a lot of time people will say, oh, it's all good. And I just think, man, it is not all good. How can you see the world and say it's all good? I know they're just meaning, oh, it's, don't worry about it, something like that. But just that phrase drives me crazy because I would love it if everything is good. Don't you long for things to be good, really good, like no pain, no disease, no murder, no crying? My heart longs for that. 
I want a good world. Now, second, if God sets the standard for what is pleasant, beautiful, and desirable, because that's the definition we just said was in was used in Genesis, then that means the pleasures I enjoy, the desires I have, should line up with his standards. And I have to admit to you, this is a really hard thing to be thrilled about because that means the Lord might be putting his finger on something that I want to do that he isn't crazy about. So let's just take our entertainment world for a moment. Let's just take all the things we do to entertain ourselves because those are pleasant. Those are beautiful, hopefully, and desirable, right? I always do this test. If Jesus were sitting next to me, would I be comfortable watching this show or going to this party or reading this book? I remember when I was first a Christian, I led a wild life. I was a partier. My friends would all go to parties and get drunk and smoke weed and do drugs. And I had to step out of that world. I had to say, no, that's not good. That's not right for me anymore as a Christian, which of course, I mean, that's a pretty obvious one. But after I became a Christian, there's still a standard of goodness that the Lord wants me to adhere to. Since he's holy, he wants his people to be holy. I remember, this was a couple of years ago, my family and I went to a movie, paid money, go in to the movie theater, got some popcorn. And about 15 minutes into this movie, we had to turn around and walk out. We just could not, with our conscience, say that this was a good movie for us to watch. We couldn't do it. We had to give that up. So my question to you today is, is the Lord asking you to do that same thing in some area of your life? Really, the question is, how important is it to us to grow closer to Jesus? Is it worth surrendering our social media, our Netflix series, our movie watching, if it's not good, if it's not pleasant and desirable and beautiful to him? Matthew 6, 22, Jesus is talking the Sermon on the Mount. It's kind of the classic, amazing teaching of Jesus. And in Matthew 6, 22, he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. And what does that mean? Well, the eye, okay, so what I'm allowing in, what I'm seeing is the lamp of the body. So everything is filtering in through my eyes. Then if your eye is clear, so in other words, we can clog our spiritual lines, so to speak, with junky world stuff and block the spiritual revelation the Lord wants to give us. That's what the light is. Our whole body will be full of light. That's spiritual revelation. So how much do I want to know the Lord better? How much do I want from him? And you know, there is so much more. There's so much more. I remember there was a time in my life where I took a discipleship class and they made you fast from media. It was horrible for four weeks. I could only watch two hours of media. That's Instagram, movies, everything, books, everything. So I did it. I was in this discipleship class and I did it. And do you know what happened? I could hear the voice of the Lord more clearly. The distractions were quiet. I remember this one morning I was praying and I had been praying for a while and I I said, and this was probably, I don't know, week three or something, and I in the middle of this of this discipleship class and I said, Lord, is there anything you want to say? You know, at the end of my prayer time. And he showed me this picture of himself sitting by the side of my bed and me kneeling next to him, and he had his hand on my head while I was praying. And it was the most precious picture, the most one of the most precious moments I've had with the Lord in my entire life. And do you know 
why that happened? Because I was quiet enough in my spirit to be able to hear him. So what's clogging our spiritual lines? Are we lining up with his goodness in our choices for things that are desirable and pleasurable? I know this is a tough question, but it's worth asking. If we want to go forward with Jesus, we need to surrender everything. And that includes what we look at on our phones and on our TVs. So today, is the Lord prompting you to maybe surrender something and lay it down at the foot of the cross? Is there a series you need to stop watching or a book that needs to be thrown away or something specific. Let's pray and ask for the Lord to show us now. Holy Spirit, we invite you into our hearts. Would you search our consciences? Would you search our minds? Bring to mind, Lord, whatever it is, if there's any area that we need to surrender to you, we want to adhere to the goodness that you have set, the standard you have set for things that are pleasant and good and beautiful because we know it nurtures our souls and we want to be near you and hear your voice. So deal with our hearts, show us now. We trust you, we love you, you're worth everything. So we surrender the icky stuff, the things that are gonna harm us anyway, Lord, we give it to you in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Hey, don't forget to click the like button and subscribe to our podcast and share with a friend. And if you have questions about Genesis that I haven't answered yet, feel free to email me at lovegodfirstpodcast at gmail.com. That's lovegodfirstpodcast at gmail.com.